This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand on the air. Welcome to Headscarves and Good Yarns with me, Amal Abdullahi. The show is all about talking about race, diversity, and everything in between, all in the hopes of empowering a more empathetic Aotearoa. We talk about all these huge life things through the lens of people's lives and stories. I hope every yarn you take a wee gem from it and expands your heart and mind just a wee bit more. Kia ora, assalamualaikum. Welcome to another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. I am looking forward to sitting down and chatting. And today's topic, I still haven't quite come up with a t- title for it, but I have this this episode is kind of inspired by thoughts that have been marinating in my brain for the past. I don't know, weeks, couple of months, and, you know, they've all been um, marinating or the, the, the thoughts have been um, planted by um, watching TV shows, particular comments, things that I've read on the internet. Um, and as I was kind of thinking about what I specifically wanted to talk about for this episode, it uh, kind of dawned on me that a lot of these things are not issues, but things that I've noticed about um, white allyship that I wish we talked about more. Um, Because I think when we talk about um, what allyship from white people look like, um, you know, there's a lot of discourse on that already. And I think as someone, you know, who isn't white and um, interacts a lot with allyship from white people. There are some things that have just been marinating in my brain um, that I've wanted to talk about and have just never really come across this on online spaces. I haven't um, read it in like allyship guides. And um, I think it's important that we talk about it. Um, some things are going to sound really, really obvious. Um, but I think the particular tone and nuance of these super obvious points, um, we don't tease apart um, enough. And I think the reason why it is so important that I, I talk about this um is because I have been confronted with these things that I'm going to get into in a hot second and the burden to know what to do, the burden to educate, the burden to like to do the work um, has kind of fallen on me and I think if we can talk about these things more so it can be incorporated into people's um mahi and their allyship I think that would be really really important and just as a disclaimer before I really get into these things this is just how I view these particular points and I am always open to hearing what y'all have to say um especially if you disagree with me I think um from disagreements there's opportunity to have a really deep conversation and you know I might not change my mind, you not 
might not change my mind but the deeper understanding and empathy that you get from that is invaluable um and so please what I'm about to say for like the next 50 minutes is my personal point of view and I'm always open to having a corridor about it but there are just um the following seven points are things that I have noticed and things that I think are problematic when we talk about allyship um from white people and specifically some of these points they came from um when I was specifically thinking about um, in the the context of feminism Um, but I think all of these points can be relevant to just allyship in general and I'm not going in any of the going through any of these in any particular order Um, but my first point is um, your trauma is still valid and um, it sounds a wild off the bat without kind of any explanation but the I honestly I wish I had a like if I had a dollar for every single time someone has invalidated their own pain their own experience their own trauma um to like direct to me directly invalidated their own trauma to then elevate um you know like my trauma with um racism or any of the isms it's honestly wild to me and I think that is honestly it's quite harmful um and not only is it harmful to that particular individual um but it's also um it's not helpful and I think the thing with this and actually the thing with all of these points is that good intentions doesn't translate to active allyship like good intentions in itself is not is is not the work it's not the skill it's not the solidarity and I think you know that's why I really wanted to talk about all of this and this idea that good intentions is not active allyship I think it really um relates to this point of you know there's no need to invalidate your own trauma and you know human beings are very complex and the way that we interact with this world the way that we understand this world um it is formed it is at the crossroads of so many different things you know like your environment your um values your um lived experience your trauma whether it's healed or unhealed like there is so much going on you know your skin tone your identity your nationality your ethnicity there are all these things that kind of come together and at that crossroads of all of those things is who you are as a person and um yeah we all interact with this world in in different ways like the same two different humans can go through the same thing and experience it and understand it and and walk away from that experience with completely different things because we are just so different and to I think elevate or de-escalate your trauma based on other people's um trauma especially with systems that um 
especially with systems that are so persistent, systems that we're all kind of collectively, well, I hope, collectively working towards to abolishing, it's, it's not part of that plan of abolishing these said systems does not include you invalidating your your own pain and it really it, it hurts my heart that people do this but it also um I don't know I feel like it just has put me in an awkward position because it's a conversation that I wish I the, the burden wasn't put on me to have because people I don't think people should be invalidating their traumas like we've all got our own stuff just because of the mere fact that we're humans we come onto this earth we have all got our own oh, I was going to say the s word but we've all got our own baggage to carry and it if you think if you just kind of forget about all the isms and all the oppressive systems that exist on this earth i think one of life's goals or purposes and this is just speaking for me personally is to learn how to confront that baggage that trauma that we carry and how to heal from that so we can live life as a healed human I think living life as an unhealed human, um, it just leads to even more damage. And that cycle never really ends. And, like, we're here to break those cycles. And we're here to heal our trauma and to deal with it head on. And every human we all have our own trauma and, and, and it's important that we we deal with that for our own development and to find a higher purpose in life. And when you put into the picture these oppressive systems and you know, some of these systems may affect you may affect you, some of them won't. But that doesn't mean that your trauma um, needs to be invalidated because in reality that actually does very little in dismantling those oppressive um, systems it does very little in in helping to actively helping to dismantle that and I think if you know you want to show up in solidarity and to be an active ally well part of that is well, part of that is learning how to look after yourself and your own mental health and um, healing from your own trauma. I think you will do more good for the co-papa if you and yourself um, are working on yourself and healing and, and working on your own trauma. And it's like putting... It's just like a completely different fruit you just cannot compare apples and oranges um you know we all have our own trauma to carry and for some of us because we are part of communities that are oppressed by particular systems you know some of in our trauma bag some of that will be in there but it doesn't 
take away from the fact that you also have your own trauma and they're completely different things and so to put them in parallel and say and say mine is not as bad as yours it's not helpful um and it's it's damaging to to everyone involved and so my first point is that your trauma is still valid um point number two for me is positive stereotypes still dehumanize and again it's kind of going back to that overall point that good intentions is not active allyship and I know that you know when people refer to positive stereotypes it's never in um ill will but it still is damaging and it still is dehumanizing um I cannot remember the name of the person who made this tweet. Um, and I can't remember how long ago this happened. But um, our queen, Megan Thee Stallion, she made a tweet after, you know, something something really bad was happening at her house. Um, and it involved violence. And, you know, at that time, Megan um, made a tweet around the point that, Um, black women you know are always underprotected um and you know we deserved to be protected and and all that kind of stuff and then I forgot the name of the person who made this tweet but it was one of the writers or one of the producers of um that show Vampire Diaries and I think they worked on other shows that are in a similar vein to that show um and the tweet was basically along the lines of well you know, like we, we white women are failing black women. And I'm so sorry that you carry this burden, but you are our heroes. Like you are going to be the, you know, essentially saying black women are going to be the ones that save the day. And, um, listen, I don't know the person who made this tweet from a bar of soap. I really don't. And, you know, we can sit here talking about, well, you know, we can sit here talking about intentions until the cows come home. Um, and again, I don't know this one from a, from a bar of soap. So I really don't know what the intentions were, but I'm guessing that they made that tweet in a positive, in a positive framing. And it, you can see how that's still so dehumanizing and it's really damaging because it now puts, the burden of black women to do the work it um reduces black women to this like stereotype of this you know strong independent black woman um and i i honestly i really hate that stereotype because there's just no way for black women to be soft and to be vulnerable and to be protected because why why would you need to protect someone who's so strong and independent and is the hero at the end of the day um and then also that tweet kind of implies that um you know like oh there's just it puts no onus on white men white women to step up and and also do the work as well because i think as i always say we need everyone involved um if we ever want to get anywhere if we ever want change to happen everyone needs to be putting in the hard work um and you can you know you can see how that that tweet was 
framed in a positive way um but it still dehumanizes and really limits how a person can be in this world and it's something um that I've also experienced as well you know I think I've spoken about it before especially in instances where I have expressed anger and I definitely have been uh reduced um into stereotypes or you know if I kind of behave in ways that are outside of the stereotypes whether or not if like regardless if they're positive or negative people really question that and they question who I am and and say comments like oh was that really you or I never knew you were really like that Amal um which has always confused me and I think we need to be really careful like we always talk about how negative stereotypes are damaging and they dehumanize um you know the negative ones like you know I'm just trying to think the one that I've always gotten a lot is because of my skin color and some of the suburbs that I've grown up in that I'm um not respectable or polite which I think is complete bs um but I think we don't talk about the positive stereotypes um and how they still have that same ability to dehumanize um and to compartmentalize people um, and stereotypes like the strong independent black woman and black women being um, saviors and just all these other types of stuff they still achieve the same purposes of dehumanizing and I think the thing that I've seen especially um, with these positive stereotypes is that People have come to me with a positive stereotypes in their mind and you can see how that's their um, reference point for talking, oh, like that's their frame of oh, reference for talking about their allyship um, and their allyship is based on these positive stereotypes and I think if your allyship is based on these positive stereotypes it's still really 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 damaging um and dehumanizing and so I think it's really important that we talk about this so when you are thinking about your allyship it's rooted more in you know why am I invested in this co-papa and who am I um in solidarity with and if your who is based on stereotypes regardless if it's positive or negative then it's not true or genuine um my next point is around i don't know how to um condense this one but it's kind of that push and pull between um ancestors actions versus the systems that we interact with and i'll just explain this in a second because um this conversation has come up a lot um specifically uh, or kind of in the same breath as talking about white guilt and how um and i've said this in the show before and i think it's quite a common thing that's talked about but if you are part of the majority um, or if you're part of the group that benefits from that particular system or you come from 
a group that holds a particular um, privilege. And this can be, and and now I'm just, I'm talking about any kind of um, ism. I'm talking about any kind of setting camp. This is not just specifically related to um, um, white allyship now. If, yeah, if you're part of the majority, if you're part of, or you have the, the privilege in that specific instance and you are wanting to be an ally and be in solidarity with a community um, that doesn't, I think a, th- a common ph- phenomena is this guilt that, that then the individual, the group with the privilege kind of takes to the the group that doesn't have the privilege and this guilt is kind of offered in a I'm so sorry this is so uncomfortable this is horrible and I don't know what to do about it and the thing with guilt like that is that it really it's not um it's not helpful and it's not productive and again the onus is then on the marginalized group to to do something with that and 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 I'm not too sure to to soothe or console or to then empower that guilt and turn that into action and I think that's not okay and I think if there is a sense of guilt that's okay that's normal that's part of the experience but then you owe it to yourself and you owe it to the co-papa to kind of push through that guilt to get to the work that lies the real work that lies on the other side of it and so anyways this this idea of and I think this is when I've had these conversations around guilt um a thing that has kind of popped up a lot is watching people reconcile their ancestors actions with this present time that we live in and um to kind of illustrate this point um I just want to talk about um what happened with Benedict Cumberbatch uh, a wee while ago I just remember reading about this and I was like oh yeah this kind of relates a lot to or this echoes the conversations that I've been having in my personal life a lot so I'm going to use Benedict Cumberbatch as an example of this so um I think it came out a couple of months ago I can't really quite remember now but um Benedict Cumberbatch there were lots of articles of the news about his family history coming out which was um one of his ancestors um owned a owned slaves was part of the slave trade um and i think in in the caribbean and there are lots of conversations uh, around reparations and and i don't want this court at all to get around reparations because that's an entirely different thing um but i thought it was interesting there were some interviews about it where you know benedict um especially you know his acting history he is played roles where um it is directly related to the slave trade if we think about movies like 12 years a slave um and in interviews benedict was saying i think i played those roles um to kind of deal with what was going on in my own personal um 
in my own personal life. And I think what we actually need to think about when we talk about um, the past and the present and all of that kind of stuff is that when we think about these types of things, I don't think we talk about the third element, which is if you are not the direct oppressor or the direct victim what is the crime here and as i said before in my disclaimer this is just my own personal two cents and i'm so open to having a conversation about this but if you're not the direct oppressor or the direct victim where does one lie in this story and i think there's another aspect of it that we don't talk about enough and that third aspect of the story or this the other character in the story that I think that we don't talk about is when and this character is not direct oppressor but beneficiary of the systems that oppression created and I think that is where the distinction lies because when people talk about guilt I think part of that guilt is kind of unpacking history and I think that's the third character in the story that we don't talk about enough is the character who wasn't the direct oppressor but benefits from the systems that oppression created and I think that's where that energy kind of needs to move forwards to because if you are not the direct oppressor or said ancestor that did horrible things, your guilt around that is not helpful and it's not productive. But what I think needs to be acknowledged is even if it wasn't you and it was your ancestor, you know, because of that oppression, it has now led to the systems, the oppressive systems that we see today. And in this system... If your character benefits from those systems, then I think that's what we need to be talking about more, um, as opposed to coming to those who don't have that privilege um, or who are marginalised with that guilt over ancestors' actions. That that like that specific kind of guilt is not helpful and productive but what is what does need to be acknowledged is that this the systems that are active today if you benefit from them then you know what are you going to do about that and I just would like to make a side note or a disclaimer that I know that time isn't necessarily linear and the history even if it happened you know decades ago or hundreds of years ago that history is still living in this present that we are living in today Um, and I just want to acknowledge that when I talk about this Um, but I think when we're talking about that specific guilt over and ancestors actions that isn't helpful and and I think we need to be talking more about this this third character in the story of isn't the direct oppressor but benefits 
from the systems that are built from that oppression. Brilliant. So that leads me to my next point, which is don't victimize us. And I just want to explain that point just a little bit more. So, and again, going back to that point of good intentions is an active allyship, but the number of times that I've come across, um, you know, I come across this attitude of like poor Amal, poor you, you've gone through X, Y, Z, or you um, always have to deal with discrimination um, or racism, poor you. Like this attitude I've come across a lot. And you talk to any person who's come from a marginalized group, I think they also um, have have come across this attitude. And this is just a side note. But funnily enough, I have come across this like poor you attitude a lot in like very left leaning spaces. And um, and I think the correlation there is that the energy is. And again, if you're listening and you're like, I think there's more to this, Mal, please tune in. Uh, please let me know because I'd like to keep the corridor going. But I think the one of the big correlations there is poor you like I will never understand what you have to go through. Like, I just feel so sorry for you that you have to go through this all the time. I'm going to speak for you and I'm going to fight for you because poor you. Um, and again, just a, just a, I'm not saying it means anything, but it's just something that I've noticed a lot specifically in left leaning spaces. And, you know, again, the intentions are good there. It's like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to be in solidarity, in solidarity with you. Um, but my my plea there is, please don't victimize us. Like, yes, there are these oppressive systems out there, and it sucks if you don't benefit from those systems. But there is more. There is more to us than the the traumas and, and, and the violence or whatever it may be that we go through because of those said oppressive systems. And if your allyship is coming from that energy of, oh, poor you, it still does that same thing of reducing people, of dehumanizing people. I think allyship cannot be fueled by pity or like coming from this energy of of oh poor you um it's just i think very very damaging and i i see that damage of when you internally victimize yourself it really restricts how you show up in this world and really restricts your potential and it breeds so many other unhelpful emotions um and that's just a very slippery slope that I refuse to go down for myself and I always try my best to check myself when I internalize and victimize myself and I think it's very uncomfortable when other people have kind of 
victimized me and bring that energy to me because again it's that conversation of um it's a kind of conversation where I feel like I I shouldn't have to um I shouldn't just have to have that conversation really um so please don't victimize us we are multi-dimensional and there is there's a lot of hurt and there's a lot of trauma but there's a lot of beauty there's a lot of good there's a lot of potential and I think you won't put yourself in a position to see that if um that just isn't super helpful um my next point is kind of in a similar tone to the point before but um don't victimize us but also don't homogenize us as well um I think and this is something that I've definitely had to call myself out on for and I didn't actually realize this until I started um the show actually and because when I first started the show I was um the I think the co-papa has shifted a lot since then um but when I first started the show I really wanted to highlight voices that aren't normally heard so people can share their experiences that aren't well understood and I really had to call myself out on this um because I didn't I didn't realize it it was and it wasn't until I did the show um that it was made very very obvious but um I just kind of had this underlying assumption that because there was this shared identity of, you know, being part of a marginalized group um, or having um, other people of color on the show that would kind of have similar traumas or ways of thinking about things um, because we had that shared identity. And that was not the case at all. And I don't know why I even had that assumption Um but that was obviously not the case at all and and so I just so I just did, did that myself this homogenizing because of the shared identity and I think and this is a skill that I think is is helpful and a skill that has proven to be um now I'm just thinking about in the education context, but it's a good skill when it comes to learning new things in an academic setting, but kind of piecing together what you've gone through or piecing together what you know, what you've seen to make inferences or to paint a picture about what's going on. Um, and I think that's what people do when it comes to communities that they don't share that intimate experience with or they don't share that identity or or even if you do share that identity in my case assuming um all POC people kind of have similar traumas because we're all under the thumb of like the same oppressive systems um but you kind of take what you've gone through you take this like prior knowledge even if it's like weak strings or connections to this prior knowledge like oh you know your friend has a friend who um has a friend that is a POC and and they do this or they've gone through that or something like that like 
people will take anything that they have in in their kete and kind of use that to paint a picture of what's going on and I think the real dangerous thing about doing that is there is a real danger of homogenizing homogenizing people and again was similar with the positive stereotypes and and the victimization is that it really reduces people to 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 nothing really because you're not actually getting having an opportunity to really get to know that person as they are who they are um you're running off stereotypes you're running off a coded program you are running off something that isn't necessarily rooted in reality and that allows very little space for work to be done that allows very little space for understanding and empathy um and listening to to really come through so please don't homogenize us and this, this, when I said earlier, like some of these tips are going to sound like really obvious, blah, blah, blah. Um, but I really wanted to bring this one up because it still very much happens. And um, even in like a very casual setting or like if it's come across as a joke, the fact that people homogenize, I've noticed that and I've, I've experienced that. Um or people run off those run off assumptions because they have homogenized us and so don't ask questions um, or come into conversations feeling like they already know what's up or what's going to happen or how I feel or how I experience the world um, and that's not the case and I think we need to move away from homogenizing people and understanding that even with amongst a shared identity um people have their own experiences and this is coming from um people with all types of intentions whether they're good or not um and i think the fact that if you have good intentions or not that doesn't kind of take away from the fact that homogenizing is still damaging um my next point is this is going to sound really really strange but my next point is don't fetishize in any kind of relationship i think when we talk about having fetishes or like racial preferences um it's in the context of romance or love or like actually not even love just like sexual desires lust um desirability um i think we talk about fetishes in that context but i don't think we talk about it in different types of relationships because this fetishization i feel like i didn't say that correctly um this fetishization and saying it faster also did not help but this kind of fetish can happen in different types of relationships as well not just um romantic ones but platonic ones um friendships for example um and it is so strange to me and the reason why I bring this up is that it's happened enough not necessarily to me but to like my other friends who are also people of color it's happened enough to the point where I'm like I think 
this is a thing. Um, yeah, I hope, like, I think this is a thing. And I'm just going to speak from my own personal experience now because I don't want to speak for other people. But what I've noticed is that, and this is in, in not in a romantic setting, um, but in like friendship settings where people have gravitated towards me because just because of the fact that I am black and the fact that I'm Muslim and it's like oh you're so exotic to me you are so different to me my gosh you poor thing you must have gone through all of these hard things I want to get to know you so I can hear more about these hard things poor you um I don't know like it's it's so strange to explain but if you are a person of color and you have also experienced this thing please reach out to me I'd love to hear it because I feel like it definitely is a thing that you can gravitate towards people you can fetishize people not just in romantic relationships but in platonic relationships as well and I think um it is so strange or like oddly enough this has happened in places where it's if it's um really white place i've noticed that this this fetish fetishizing this fetishizing oh there you go i think that's it this fetishizing has happened more and i think because the the more the the more white it gets the more that I like stand out and maybe it's not as normalized having you know non-white people around but this fetishizing of um in a in a friendship setting I think is yeah is definitely a thing and I think just like when you're talking about your dating preferences just kind of asking and I think it's, again, it's fine to have preferences in general, but I think you need to really be honest with yourself and be real with yourself as to where these preferences are coming from. And is it coming from positive stereotypes? Is it coming from that homogenization? Is it coming from that poor you attitude? Like, where is it coming from? It can be multiple, you know, it can be various things, but where is it coming from? And I think it's really important to inspect your preferences deeply because if it's coming from you know any of the things that I just listed above then that's not true and and that's not genuine and that needs to be that needs to be looked at in a deep manner and kind of figure out oh why do I have this where is this coming from and that's going to be a painful experience like having a sharp awareness like that it doesn't come easy, you know. It comes with um, the the ugly emotions that we don't like to talk about, like awkwardness, guilt, uncomfort. Um, but it's really important that you push through that and kind of see what lies on the other side of that because that is valuable and that is gold and that what needs to be unpacked and dismantled. Um, but... Yeah, don't fetishize us as friends. And I think I've specifically noticed this a lot in spaces where, um, 
you know, people do come together over a particular co-papa and so on the surfaces you know seem like amazing allies you know going to protests showing up at events talking about these things holding spaces to talk about these things but then I've just in the background kind of noticed this like fetishization of having POC people as friends and that is just as damaging and as harmful so I think that needs to be re-looked at and my last point for this episode is learn how to listen deeply. And again, one of those things where it's like, yeah, Amal, we've heard this before. This is this is like simple stuff. This is like your ABCs. And I get it. I totally understand. Because whenever we're talking about allyship, whenever we're talking about these kind of conversations that have anything to do with the isms, you know, learning how to listen and listening deeply is something that's brought up time and time again. But then I came across this quote and I was like, yes, that actually needs to be talked about more. And, you know, I'll read the quote and then we can marinate on that and and talk about it and, and speak to it. So the quote that I'm talking about is equity means making access to opportunity easier not deciding which opportunities they deserve now let me just reread that because that was gold absolute gold equity means making access to opportunity easier not deciding which opportunities they deserve now where's the said quote from hood feminism an amazing amazing book by um Mickey Kendall and something that I come back to time and time again it honestly um is an amazing book um so and the whole the whole book is kind of talking about um feminism and how and white centered it is and what does feminism look like when it talks about not when it talks about um, including everyone. And and the full book title is called Hood Feminism, Notes from the Woman That a Movement Forgot. And so this quote, it really hit me deeply because, you know, when we think about active allyship and, you know, something that is talked about quite a lot is making sure all of the voices are on the table and all of those voices are heard I think we need to scratch that bare minimum because let me tell you, as someone who has been invited to the table because of this idea, you know, we need all voices on the table, how many people actually want to listen? Because I've found that our definition of listening is listening to then be like oh well because you know let's just use myself an example because Amal has said xyz then I think these are the opportunities that Amal should get and again where is the power in that for me because someone else has heard what I've had to say and then decided what opportunities we deserve to hear or we deserve based on what I've said and what actually needs to happen is listening to then make the access to opportunity 
easier not listening to then decide what opportunities should be given and I yeah and when I read that quote I was like oh my god that absolutely it makes a lot of sense and now I'm just 100% talking from my own 100% personal experience I'm not too sure if this um, particular concept has been studied in an academic sense but it's happened enough to me and to people who um, look like me that I feel like it's a thing but when we talk about listening it's it's this we inviting you to the table so you can share your experience you can share your story and based on that we will decide to do xyz and in my mind that's not true collaboration and that's listening for the wrong reasons i think we should be listening to not to then not with the intention of then kind of following up how to process that we should be listening so then we can say huh i see what barriers um lie ahead of you i see what you have to go through i have this privilege i have this power so i'm listening to see how i can use my privilege to break down to break down sorry those i'm listening to see how i can use my privilege and my power to break down those barriers to make the road clearer and easier for you and as i say this out loud i'm not saying that this contends with um this contends with um programs or scholarships that um help our marginalized communities um excel further because those are two completely different things but it's just happened so often where the intention of listening is then for our lived experiences to be processed in a way it's like okay well based on what um you know xyz have said we will decide to do da 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 with this information and again that doesn't that still doesn't balance out those power dynamics and i think we should be listening to then make access to opportunity easier and to not decide which opportunities are deserved or should be um, or actions that should be taken based on what XYZ have said. And, you know, I think at first I was so empowered by or driven by that statement of, well, we should make sure all voices are heard. And I'm not saying that we should stop doing that because I think we do need to keep striving to have all voices on the table because currently you know there's a lot of there's a room for improvement for that but I think the next thing that we should then be working towards is what does listening look like when those voices are on the table because right now I don't think that listening 
is happening in an empowering, impactful and systems changing way. And so when I came across this um, in hood feminism, I was like, I think that's one of the issues with how we are listening to the voices on the table is because we're listening in a way to still decide what opportunities uh, should what opportunities are then deserved um, we're not listening to just be like hmm I see you and now I'm going to one of the fact that you shared something so deeply personal because again it's not even an easy ask to ask someone to um, share what they've been going through I'm you know, I'm listening so I can say that I see you and I'm going to make it easier for you. I think that it kind of rebalances that power dynamic and that shows that you're truly, truly listening. Um, so those are my seven things and I'm sure that there are more than seven things that could go on the list, but these are the seven things that I have noticed with white allyship um and especially like allyship that i think on the surface would be considered a really good job like that is amazing allyship and um or you know allyship that is or like woke quote-unquote woke behavior or woke people for lack of a better word and all of these points are things um, that I have noticed and things that I think we should talk about more when t discussing allyship um, but just to quickly recap point one your trauma is still valid let's not stack trauma against each other um, your trauma is still valid even if you don't um, experience discrimination or racism or colonialism your trauma is still valid and you owe it to yourself to acknowledge that validate it and and heal from it and by doing that um you will honor you will honor the co-papa better um point two positive stereotypes still dehumanize and are damaging point three let's let's not um carry unproductive guilt and kind of separate the fact that there is the third character which is not the direct oppressor um but still benefits from the systems that oppression originally created point number four don't victimize point number five don't homogenize point number six don't fetish us in any kind of relationship not just relationships um, but platonic ones too and the last point learn to listen deeply um and so then your listening turns into using your privilege and power to break down those barriers and to make access to opportunity easier um thank you for tuning in to another episode of headscarves and give yarns and catch you for the next one Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Headscarves and Good Yarns. To keep spinning the yarns, let us know your thoughts. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Headscarves and Good Yarns or email us at headscarvesandgoodyarn at gmail.com. 
This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.